Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris back with you for uh, our oldest album as we go back 40 years before, before we were both born and we cover Iron Maiden's Killers album, their second full release. But before we get into that, Chris Bud, how you doing, man? Very good. Yourself? I couldn't be better. I couldn't be better as we sit here. Uh, a nice long weekend for me, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And I'm also obviously looking forward to talking about this album, which quite frankly, uh, I, 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 well, we'll get into it, but I'll, I'll just say this. I, it's, I was very surprised with, with how much I actually enjoyed it, but we'll, 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 we'll get into that. Um, have you heard anything this week that kind of caught your ear? Yeah, there's a couple of new, uh, new singles out that I, uh, was able to give a listen to and also um, a band that I really like Serenia uh, their new album came out on Friday riddles runes and revelations I haven't had a chance to listen to the whole thing yet but the singles I've heard so far are very good so um, I'm looking forward to hearing the whole thing it's um, funny you mentioned that I, I actually listened to that this morning before we before we started recording I, I literally just stopped playing it about 15 minutes ago it's got a very um like almost like a modern feel to it with like like these keyboard samples that they're using and stuff like that. It's different from their other stuff. It's good. It's just different. I don't know how to explain it. It just, it has like these, uh, it looks, it sounds like they're going for like a more modern vibe, almost like an Amaranth, although it obviously doesn't sound like them. Um, I don't know if you heard any of the singles, but it definitely has that kind of feel to it. Yeah, I definitely, uh, have heard some of the singles. I know that, um, the, uh, their previous singer, uh, who I think, they probably had the most success with Eileen. Um, she left the band in 2016. So um, this album and their previous album, Arcane Astral Aeons, um, has their new their new singer, and uh, her name is Emmanuel Zoldan. So um, I don't know if, if that has anything to do with it, or maybe they're just trying to freshen uh, up the sound after yeah. all these, or, albums, or maybe you know? just get a little bit more notoriety in the scene. But um, uh, yeah, uh, I look forward to hearing it as I've always been a fan of theirs. Um, also, I can't remember if you had mentioned last week um, Warrior Path. No, actually, I don't believe I did, but I'm happy you brought them up. You know, go for it. Yeah, uh, so this is um, a band. They they had one previous album with uh, Giannis Papadopoulos, from, uh, uh, the lead singer from Beast in Black. And uh, the second album, uh, it's not out yet, but they released a single called Beast of Hate. And the vocalist is uh, former Lost Horizon singer Daniel Hyman. And um, this is just, you know, your, your, the, the kind of music you want to hear Daniel Hyman be involved with. Uh, the vocals are, are really awesome. And, and at the same time, uh, Marius Danielson, who will be uh, releasing a new album full of stars which we've talked about previously uh his legend of valley doom project um they released a single that also features daniel hyman uh called stars will light the way so two two tracks this uh this week that i got to listen to that both and you don't get to really hear daniel hyman too often because he's not really in a full-time band and lost horizon hasn't made an album in forever um so i just wanted to mention those and also uh nora luhimo from Battle Beast, she's got a, a solo album coming out called the Nora Luimo Experience. And uh, this is, I don't think, it, based on the single, it doesn't sound like this is going to be a traditional heavy metal album. It's got actually kind of like a, a more of a just hard rock, even a country-ish vibe, I understand, that she's going to have. Um, 
some more songs in that vein, uh, just kind of doing things that, that she personally wants to do. So, um, the, the one track, uh, the single that I heard eternal wheel of time and space, which is uh, the title track from the album, it was good stuff, like different, but, but I enjoyed it a lot. So, um, yeah, that's, that's just some stuff that I wanted to mention this week. Nice. I have, I have to check out the last one. I haven't, but when you, when you bring up Daniel Hyman, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up his other band, which I just absolutely loved, which was Heed. Um, they came out with one full album and a demo. Um, and it's some of the best work that I've heard anywhere. And I, and that for whatever reason, it never got quite the love that, um, Lost Horizon got, which I, I can understand, but it was just so well done with his vocals on top of this, almost a, like an industrial metal type of sound. Amazing stuff. Um, I have to post one of their tracks this week, just because if you haven't heard it, you're, you're, you're doing yourself a, a disservice. You got to hear that. Uh, just a couple of things that I wanted to mention. I had sent to you um, uh, the new single from Inglorious, which is the British hot, uh, hard rock band. Um, they've been around for about five years. And, and I guess the closest thing I would say in terms of a sound is think of like a Led Zeppelin or a Deep Purple with a David Reedman type vocalist singing over the top really really impressed and it was just one of those things that i heard that like kind of right time right place and it just hit me like a really hard no no pun intended uh so check out the new and glorious single it's called uh actually they have a, quite a few singles off the album but the la- the latest one is called medusa and then and there was also messiah as well and then two other albums that i thought were uh definitely worth mentioning uh the former band uh called um Midnight Eternal, a New York-based band, had uh, split up some time ago, and they've kind of reemerged with a with a with a new uh, lineup called, or I should say, a new album and, and band called Everdawn. The album is called Cleopatra, and I kind of listened to it blind. I really wasn't sure what to expect or or if I was even going to enjoy it because I had no idea what I was what I was in for. Uh, I was really pleasantly surprised from the vocals on down to the songwriting. I thought it was a really fantastic album, kind of in the vein of a Nightwish with with, with uh, female uh, operatic vocals on top. I don't even know if you've had a chance to hear this, but I definitely, definitely recommend that you check out Everdawn. Um, one of the biggest surprises of this year so far. So definitely, definitely check them out. And then one other thing I wanted to mention, a friend of the show, uh, Frank, had mentioned uh, – we, we had gotten into a discussion about old thrash bands and that's kind of like a void in my, um, I guess like wheelhouse, if you will. I, 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 I like certain thrash. I love certain thrash, but I, there's just a lot of bands that I wasn't familiar with. And he had said that you have to go check out destruction, a, a very, very well-established German thrash band. They have, I mean, I guess, I guess they have 14 or 15, if not more albums at this point, and they've been around for decades. So I go out and I check out, on his recommendation, Spiritual Genocide. It was an album that came out in 2012. Sounds just as pleasant as the name would have you believe, but it was actually really, really well done thrash. So I'm going to post a track of theirs as well this week. Um, I'm sure that most of the listeners are familiar, but if you haven't but and you're into thrash, uh, Destruction isn't a bad place to start. Good. Sounds good. I, I look forward to hearing uh, Everdawn. Um, I'm not really familiar with them, but it sounds like that's right up my alley. So uh, I look forward to you posting posting that this week. Yeah, definitely will. I think it's worth checking out. Uh, and with that, let's get to the reason why we're here, obviously. Iron Maiden Killers, which just celebrated its 40th anniversary, at least for the U.S. release, which came out on February 2nd, 1981. Um 
you know, Iron Maiden. I mean, we we could do we could do we could do an entire year on Iron Maiden and its albums and its history and everything else. But I thought that this was fitting just because of the fact that it was obviously the anniversary of this legendary album. What were your thoughts when you first heard it? Because I'm not even sure that you've heard it in its entirety prior to this. I, I I know you knew certain songs, but I'm not sure that you knew the entire album. Yeah, I don't think I'd ever listened to it start to finish until this week. Um, there were songs that I was more familiar with than others, but I would say of all of Iron Maiden's albums, uh, you know, not counting the the couple of albums they did with Blaze Bailey this album would be the one that I knew the least amount of songs from or was least familiar with. And I think part of the reason, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think part of the reason is that they don't really play very many of these songs live. Is that no, that in correct? Fact, that is 100% correct. And it's actually something I was going to touch upon. You know, it's, it's, the, 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 it's got 10 tracks on there, but the only one that you hear live is Wrathchild, which right. they play a lot. And, and, you know, obviously Bruce does a phenomenal job on that. They've been playing it for decades with him, but the other songs is they, they don't touch. So if you go to a live show, you're not going to hear this stuff live. And, and that's actually one of my complaints because I, I would love to see them dust off one of these uh, and play a song, you know, whether it's a uh, murders in the room morgue or even the title track, which happens to be one of my favorites on the disc. I, I just, I don't know why they don't go back and, and play this stuff because I feel like you could give it a fresh coat of paint with, with Bruce's vocals on top. I couldn't agree more. Um, there's, I, I was actually really surprised at how many of these songs are, were real. Like I really, really enjoyed, I, I enjoyed this album overall a lot. Um, I didn't think there was one, even mediocre song. Like I thought all the songs were good to great. Um, I I liked it a lot. I'm kind of glad that you chose this because it's definitely one of those albums that I kind of let kind of slide over the years and not really pay close enough attention to. And, you know, I've always been a big fan of the, the original Iron Maiden self-titled album from 1980, mostly because, you know, you're going to hear songs like running free and Phantom of the Opera and Iron Maiden, when they play live, those are kind of uh, always staples in the set. Exactly. So especially uh, Phantom of the Opera is like an all time favorite of mine, especially with, with um, I actually really, really enjoy the original with Paul Diano. And and I kind of want to just bring that up because um, I think part of the reason that I wasn't really aware of these first two albums is because my introduction to Iron Maiden was through the best of the beast, uh, you know, greatest hits compilation disc that I got when I was in high school. And, you know, there were no songs from these albums. I mean, for all I knew, the band started with number of the beast. And so as years went on and I became more familiar, I I know that like a lot of people um, are not big fans of Paul Diano's vocals. I happen to really enjoy them. I think that it's really cool to hear Iron Maiden, um, with just a different vocalist because Bruce is just so polished and just so good. And, and he's a legend in heavy metal, but it it is cool to kind of go back and hear this. I mean, it's interesting to me that, so I, through, through some of my research, I realized that this album is the first album that they uh, did with Adrian Smith, which I was not aware of. He was not on the original self-titled album. And what's funny is that 
Um, after, you know, I was working and I listened to this album a few times and, and after the, the disc was over, my iTunes would just start playing Invaders, which is the first track from Number of the Beast. And to me, like, I couldn't, I didn't realize that the disc had ended until I heard Bruce Dickinson start singing. And huh. it's when I realized that, like, Killers really is very similar to early Iron Maiden, uh, albums. It's just that the vocals are so different that, it, it almost sounds like a totally different style, even though it's actually, you know, I, listening on headphones, especially, I re- started to realize like this really isn't all that different from some of the songs on Number of the Beast or Peace of Mind or some of the earlier Dickinson albums. Yeah, I, I agree. This is very much a transitional album for them. As much, first of all, I thought the songwriting on the debut, I and mean, let's go back to the beginning. Their self titled album has some of their best tracks of all time, and that's big words considering how many great songs obviously this band has this album though really took a different shape and is actually closer in my opinion to number of the beast than it is the debut just in terms of the way that steve harris wrote many of these songs and that's why i guess like i said i'm surprised they don't play some of it live uh more often but it is you know, it's it's very much like a, a a swing album, and 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 there's a reason why when you hear the intro to Invaders, you feel like it's just the 11th track on this album because it really does kind of lend itself well to that style that they were obviously going towards. Personally, I have never been a fan of of Deano's vocals. I am not a Paul Deano fan. I like him more, having really dove deep this weekend into this into this disc. Um, I liked it more than I thought I would, just because the songs were so good. But, you know, when you compare him to Bruce Dickinson, who, yeah, obviously more polished, I I just, you know, there's a reason why they decided to go in a different direction. And that's obviously why they exploded when they when they released Number of the Beast and and obviously the four or five albums that came out afterwards, you know, some of the greatest metal albums of all time. My problem with Deano, I think, is that he's kind of one dimensional. And while he's good, I don't think he's great. He's not a bad vocalist. Don't get me wrong. I just didn't think he was anything special. And like, he kind of reminds me of some of the old Riot albums, the the, the, the American band. Good stuff. Some, some really good songs. But I just never thought the vocals were that spectacular. And that's why, you know, I, I would almost like them to re-record some of this stuff with Bruce just to hear what it would sound like today. Because, uh, you know, it's, 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 I feel like that sometimes when you add that extra element to it, like just, just bombastic vocals over the top it would really make some of these songs pop but to your point not a bad song on the disc by any means i got um almost a ronnie atkins vibe from paul's vocals especially on a song like prodigal son which is more uh more of a slow kind of like you know uh ballad type song um I don't know that I would call I don't think he's as good as Ronnie Atkins, but I definitely got a little bit of that. Um, it took me a few listens before that kind of clicked with me, but um, I've, I just have never really had any issue with his vocals. I mean, he's, he's definitely not, can't hold a candle to Bruce. Few people can, yeah. but yeah. Um, I mean, I, it's for, it, it, it's not unlistenable by any stretch just because it's not Bruce. I, I, I totally agree with that. I, I'm glad you brought up prodigal son that to me was the real outlier on this disc. 
Um, to me, it's more Rush than it is Iron Maiden, <laughs> just in terms of like the way that. Um, and again, this is we, we, we're going back in time a little bit because this is before Nico McBrain is even with the band. The drummer on this disc is Clive Burr, obviously. You know, like their their original drummer, fantastic drummer in his own right. But the way that he even uses the cymbals on this on on that song, and the way that the the he, some of the drum fills, it reminded me of Neil Peart more than it did anything that even uh, Nico would do years later. I think that's a really good, I didn't make that connection, but now that you mention it, yeah, it's, that is a very like, kind of like mellow rush type song. Uh, and it's sure. the kind of songs that they were writing around this time. So I wonder if it's a coincidence or if they were just experimenting because it is, it is, it is a really interesting song, but it is an outlier on this album. Yeah, no it definitely, it's, it. it definitely stood out to me as like, I was almost like, oh my God, like has Iron Maiden written a ballad before because if they have i i don't think i've heard it i mean and this is certainly the closest thing and, yeah. and it's it's you know it's it was i've listened to this album but i forgot i completely forgot about that track and when it came on i thought i thought it skipped to moving pictures or something i wasn't sure what happened it was a little weird uh you know when i when i when i heard it and i, I went back to it but uh having then expected it with subsequent listens i was i was pleasantly surprised at how much i actually enjoyed that track as an outlier um, I, I will say that I think that the the beginning half of the disc is is a little bit stronger than the than the we'll call it side two of of the disc. Um, just in terms of you know it starts with an instrumental track, "The Eyes of March," which is really just an intro to Wrathchild, which is you know like I said they still play it live, so obviously they hold it in high esteem. But songs like "Murders in the Room Morgue," even the instrumental "Genghis Khan." Great, great stuff, and and quite frankly, we're talking about Genghis Khan. To me, it's really just "Hallowed Be Thy Name," getting you ready for it on the next disc because it's it's practically the same song, at least at the end. I, I got that uh, that vibe as well. Um, I really like the the drum intro to "Another Life." Um, I thought "Murders in the Rue Morgue" was like my big surprise track on this album because I, I I don't think I was familiar with that song at all. Fantastic song. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, I mean, just every song is great. Killers is awesome. Um, the last track, Drifter, is a really like awesome way to, to finish the album. Um, uh, Wrathchild is a classic. I mean, I, I just I just really enjoyed this. Um, but the one track that I'm not mentioning is because it was my favorite. So I'm going to go ahead and say it. And you probably would have guessed this, but I thought I think Purgatory is the is the uh, the hit for me on this album. I, no kidding. I, I'm I, I, I wouldn't have guessed that. Why did you choose that? And I'm obviously we'll, we'll post that, uh, you know, this week. Why purgatory? I'm curious. It's, it's not my favorite track. I thought it was a good, I thought it's a good tune. It's not my favorite. I, I just, something about it. It's just, um, it just works for me. Um, it, the guitar, the guitar parts are awesome. Um, it, it, it's, I feel like it's kind of like, the the track on here which is kind of opening us up to that more melodic sound that Iron Maiden would would become later on down the line um I, I just I don't know what it is about about that song but it just resonates with me and it was one of the one of the songs uh along with another life that I was more familiar familiar with going going into it but mm -hmm. um listening to the album a bunch of times uh, this week kind of just cemented the fact that Purgatory is definitely my my favorite track on the album. Just just I, it's it's just good stuff. 
yeah, that's uh, that's, that's just uh, that that would be my my choice for nice. I, I I'll say this: my biggest surprise, and I, and I guess I'll just make it my track of the week. My biggest surprise was the title track. I forgot how awesome the song "Killers" is, and if there was one song that I could hear live off this disc, it would be "Killers." I just was floored by how much I enjoyed that song. I don't think I've heard it in 15 years. It's fantastic. You walk through the subway, he died burn a hole in your back. A footstep behind you, he learned it from bed for attack. Scream for mercy, he laughs as he's watching you bleed. to me it just it, it had the crunch it had that build-up um there, there was just something about it that i loved and i thought it was also paul diano's best vocal performance on the disc prodigal son aside i thought that you know obviously that being the outlier uh but but one of the things that just resonated with me and it you know when i when i listened to the disc as a whole you can see steve harris coming to life on this disc his bass lines throughout the entire album and, and obviously because he wrote most of the tracks not not terribly surprising, but you can really see why he becomes the driving force for the next forty years for this band, just on this disc alone. Yeah, I, I really recommend. So I listened to this album five times this week, and the fifth time, which is kind of becoming a, a tradition for me, I, li- I like to listen to it the last time on on headphones, and it really comes through when you put on a decent pair of headphones, like th- those bass parts. Um, yeah, I totally uh, picked up on that as well. It's just he's just like just going for it <laughs> on this yeah, album. Yeah, and, and, and you can, and, and, and he's he's maturing as a songwriter because I think he was uh, and, and don't quote me on this. I think he's about twenty years old when this album came out, so he's still a kid when, when this album is released. But you can see that he's really starting to develop, and obviously, you know. And maybe that's a debate for another day. We could talk about which of our Iron Maiden albums is our favorite, and I think that that would obviously opened up Pandora's box in terms of opinions because I think everyone's got a favorite, but you, you can certainly see here that he's laying the, 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 the foundation and his songwriting continues to get stronger and stronger, but those galloping bass parts are, are prevalent on this album. And that's why it really just kind of leads right into number of the beast, because obviously that's present on a number of tracks on that album and all subsequent albums. Yeah. I, I, I was expecting this to not remind me of, you know, the the mid to late 80s Iron Maiden. And, and I was really surprised at how much that it actually did. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I have too much else to say about about this album. It's it's short. It's sweet. It's it's under 40 minutes. Um, if you I think if you uh, don't count some of the albums have a, a bonus track of um, women in uniform, I believe, which. Uh, my version did not have, so I didn't listen to that song. But um, yeah, I uh, I enjoyed this a lot, a lot more than I thought I would, for sure. Um, really good stuff, and uh, I-, I think now I can definitely put Purgatory in my list of favorite Iron Maiden tracks. Um, I just really love the 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 guitar parts. Um, I don't know if it's really a solo per se, but just those like kind of guitar fills or whatever. Um, just, just my my type of stuff. I, I really, I really enjoyed this. Um, the I'm whole glad, album is glad, definitely worth it. it. 
Yeah, I, I'm glad you chose it um, because I don't probably wouldn't have listened to it otherwise. I'll be right, honest. I don't know that I would have gone back and, and given it a fair shake. And, and to be honest with you, all it did was make me want to listen to more Iron Maiden because you know, for me, I, I'm not as familiar with their stuff as I as I wish I was. Um, I'm not even sure I could say I have a favorite album because I don't think there's one album where I'm super familiar with every track in all honesty i've always been kind of like a a surface iron maiden fan where i know all the hits and maybe some of the the the, a little bit more of the deeper cuts but i mean like there's all probably more songs that i'm not familiar with than songs that that i am or maybe i'm just not giving myself enough credit but um it just makes me want to kind of learn more you know i remember when we went to see them i guess it's got to be close to I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago now. I mean, I've seen them a bunch, but I remember seeing them with you in New Jersey when they were basically recreating the the Live After Death tour, which, and I'll say it, Live After Death is my favorite live album of all time. I have yet to find a live album 35 years after the fact that that competes with that album. Uh, but the reason I say that is, you know, every, every tour, they you know, their, their set lists are pretty static. You, you know you're going to hear Iron Maiden. You're probably going to hear Run to the Hills, Hallowed Be Thy Name. And these are all fantastic songs, but you're lucky to hear three or four different tracks on, on these tours. And so if you just listen to the album, the tracks that you kind of expect them to play live, you're not going to hear songs like Purgatory. You're not going to hear songs like, um, you know, Where Eagles Dare for the most part. There's there's just certain songs that they just – not that that's on this album, but they just – they play the same songs rather frequently. And listen, the formula is working. They sell out virtually every show that they play, every arena, every stadium. They're making – more money than 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 they than they know what to do with. Bruce is flying the jet to each of these shows, so they have a formula that works almost like Kiss in a sense, where they just you know they print their own money. But by the same token, uh, you know, I, like I said, one of these days I would love to hear their B sides tour, even if it meant that you know Madison Square Garden wasn't packed. I would just love to hear some of like these like darker tracks or some of these tracks that we don't get to hear as much. Um, but I think you'd be pleasantly surprised. And how many songs you actually know, especially from that classic era, uh, classic era that you know kind of came after after Killers. Yeah, I think there's a lot of bands that um, you know the diehard fans feel that way about. I know like Aerosmith is a band that kind of is like that too, where you know my sister is a huge fan, and and she's always saying that like the set lists are always the same, and when you know every song, you know you kind of want to hear some deeper cuts when you go see them live, but you know. Bands like that are really catering to more of the general audience than the diehards where, you know, you're for every Pearl Jam that's going to play a different set list every night. There's, you know, 50 Iron Maidens that are going to play the same and, you know, metal bands in general tend to play the same set list mostly because the music, you know, to, to rehearse is, is more intricate and more complicated than, you know, say a Green Day song would be, um, so it's always been my experience that as far as metal bands go, the, the, the set lists don't change, but I mean, yeah, a band like Iron Maiden, they have hundreds of songs and I mean, just think about how many songs they've released since they you know reunited that classic lineup in 2000. I mean, in, in the last 20 years, they have a, a, a ton of songs and that, you know, there's people that would be happy not hearing 
any of that stuff at an Iron yeah, Man I mean, show. Yeah, I get it. I mean, if if I didn't hear Run to the Hills, I wouldn't be crying. <laughs> there's, there's stuff I – I think of songs like Infinite Dreams off Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. It's one of my favorite songs, but they haven't played it since that tour, and I'll never get to hear it live because they're never playing it. But songs like that are, to me, a thousand times better than, you know, as much as I love Iron Maiden, the song. And I, I do love it every time I hear it play some of the more obscure stuff i mean that's just that's just my opinion uh you know I, I guess i'll close it out by saying this iron maiden the best live band i have ever seen bar none no matter even though they play the same stuff it's the the production is just so big and so huge and every tour seems to be better than the last uh i caught them on the last tour when when concerts were a thing and it was one of the best shows i've ever seen uh and they just seem to get better with time and i don't know how they do it because they're in their 60s now and they're running around and they're in better shape than i am so it's like it's amazing they're they're just a fantastic band and i'm, I'm glad that it kind of you know, it was an awakening for you and you can kind of go back and check out some of the stuff that you may have missed or just may have glossed over. Yeah, for sure. I've seen them live twice now and both times they were doing uh throwback set lists. I think, like you said, the one we saw together, they were doing the, um, uh, what was it? Live after death. And then, um, right. I saw them again in Buffalo and when they were doing their made in England, um, tour, uh, and that set list was really awesome too. Uh, other than not playing Hallowed Be Thy Name, I have zero uh, complaints about that show. That was a blast. And they really are just such a fantastic uh, live experience. Um, you know, I ne- I'll never get to see Rush live, which is a regret of mine, but I'm, I'm glad that I've at least gotten to see Iron Maiden twice and hopefully uh, I'll be able to see them again at some point. Fingers crossed. It's it's a band that I make a point of seeing every time they tour just because I know I'm in for in for a treat. And I guess with that, that'll put a bow on Killers. Uh, it is. You, let's just set the stage. Uh, you're you're going to pick the album for um, next week. Uh, that'll come out on the 22nd. The March 1st show, we're going to give it back to the fans who have sent in a number of uh, a number of requests. So we're going to we're going to do a fan van vote on uh March 1st, we'll do one of the fan albums. And then on March 8th, I'll go back to picking. But, you know, that's that'll kind of set the stage for the next three weeks. What do you have in store for next week for us? Because uh, I have no idea what you're about to say. Well, I, I can't tell you because you haven't uh, rated Killers yet. You know what? You're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I jumped the gun a little bit. This was a solid seven for me. It's not my favorite album, but it's something I will definitely enjoy and something I will play again. Uh, it just, you know, like I said, to me, it's, 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 it's not power slave. It's not peace of mind, but it's a, but it's an enjoyable seven. Yeah. I, I, I'd give it a little bit higher. I thought it was an eight for me. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, it was really enjoyable, especially, uh, this morning I sat down and I was playing a little super Mario brothers and, and just put it, put it on my headphones and just really got to really ingest it. And, and I think that it might've moved up from like a seven or a 7.5 to an eight, just, just this morning, uh, you know, 40 years later. Um, but <laughs> it, it took a while, but you got there now go put on peace of mind and come back to me and tell me what, tell me what it's supposed to sound like. But yeah, no, for sure. aside, yeah. yeah. I mean, to me, like, you know, the first two Iron Maiden albums are probably going to be like a seven or a 7.5 or an eight. Whereas, you know, all those other albums that followed all the way up to fear of the dark are probably going to be closer to, to, you know, like a nine or a nine and a half. And I totally right. understand that, but, um, you know, it's the it's same. To, it's yeah. To me, to me, it's like going back and listening to walls of Jericho as a Halloween fan and just kind of hearing that a little bit more raw, a little bit more immature, a little bit younger, different vocalist in this case. Um, 
but yeah, that, that's kind of, uh, it's cool to kind of go back and, and listen to something a little bit different. I, I feel like it would be fun uh, for me on, on a personal level. I don't know that I'd really want to discuss these albums in an episode, or maybe we would if, if it's something that interests you. But, you know, I think of a band like um, Camelot or, or Symphony X that had a, like a their original singer that, I mean, most people, I don't know, even know either one of their names, to be honest with you. But um, Right, and it's just the production isn't quite there. It's like you obviously heard the step up when when, when Khan joined Camelot or when, uh, you know, when, when Russell Allen joined Symphony X. But uh, the early stuff is interesting because you can, you can it, it lays the foundation for what was to come. But it, it's, you know, it's not quite as good. I don't know how else to say it. They hadn't matured yet. They hadn't hit their groove. Right. So, um, well... It's kind of a good segue because speaking of Symphony X, um, that's going to be there my choice for our discussion next week. And the album that I've chose chosen is uh, going to be Five, the New Mythology Suite, or V Five V, whatever. Um, this is an album that came out in uh, 2000. It just recently, I guess, last year was celebrating its 20th anniversary. That's not why I chose it. Um, actually, the reason I chose it is because I know that a lot of Symphony X fans. Uh, would would call this their favorite Symphony X album, and I don't. Uh, I'm partial to Divine Wings of Tragedy, which came out three years prior. However, I'll be honest with you, like I've probably not listened to this album straight through very many times in my life and probably haven't listened to it as much as I should have. So this is kind of a little bit of a challenge to myself uh, to just kind of give it a really good strong listen and just kind of revisit something that I might have passed up because there was other things going on 20 years ago when it first came out. Well, I'll say this. It's a, I mean, that's part of the reason why we do this, right? It is, it's definitely going to be a good challenge. I'll, I'll say this, um, this, I, I love this album and I've kind of oscillated back and forth between this and divine wings for different reasons. But I, uh, I will be glad to revisit this album. It's one of my favorites. And and there's a, I think one of the things we may get into is, you know, there's the old Symphony X sound. There's kind of like the new Symphony X sound, which started with the Odyssey. Uh, I have strong opinions on that. I don't know that everyone would agree with me, but I, I, I certainly have my opinions on, on that. But we'll, we'll we'll touch upon that next week. And I I, I think you made a really good choice. I, I, I'm happy to talk about that album. I have a lot of stories because I, I saw the band live a lot during this period. And I'll, I'll, I'll share them next week when, when we talk about symphony X's five or uh, you know, V whatever you like to call it, but the new mythology suite. Yeah. It's funny because there's songs from this album that I love that I've listened to dozens of times. And then there's songs on this album that I may listen to and it'll feel like the first time I've ever heard it. So like, it's kind of funny how this album is for me. So uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I was just scrolling through my things and I, I saw this and I was like, man, Something's just intriguing me about this. So, um, yeah, that, that I, I look forward to uh, to discussing that. And, and we'll also uh, reveal on next week's episode uh, which lucky uh, requester uh, is going to go uh, get to be the second uh, request album on uh, March 1st. And that's uh, something I'm also looking forward to. So, um, yeah, that's very good. Sounds good, man. I will talk to you soon. I hope you, uh, everyone has a good week, and we will uh, we'll be back next week with some Symphony X. All right. Take care, everybody. Thank you, bud.